Welcome back to the MGO Fish Podcast. My name is David Arnold. I'm your host. And today, joining me from MGOFish.com, the video guy over there, uh, recruiting analyst, Stephen Asentoski. Stephen, you live in Chicago, so I'm sure you get all of the the northern accents, you know, from the Minnesota A, the Canadian E. And then oh, yeah. The Michigan. Yeah, I, I feel at home. I don't know. It's, it's very much a... Uh... I feel like you get a lot of that in Michigan too, though. You do. So it, you do. Yeah. So no, it's it's a good mix of good mix of people here. It's a good city. Tosky, the, the yeah. unknown UP city. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. How's it going? How are you doing today? Good. Good. I got my car detailed today. Uh, hung out with the dog. It's I feel like a uh, a Midwestern dad. You know, go get your car detailed. Hang out. Lazy Sunday. You're living the life, uh, man. You're living the life. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, you know it's hot out here, man. It's August. It's football. It's it's the start of football right now. Yes, we're getting there. Yes. I feel it. Uh, Michigan football is going to be in pads within the next four or five, uh, two or three days. Yeah, the first game is in twenty five days from now. Uh, I know. So so it's, it's pretty nuts. You know, the first few episodes of the of the return of the Yungo Fish show, we've been talking kind of just about Michigan sports in general. Today, we actually have to get into football. It's time. It's time to actually. Yeah, we don't. We don't have time talk. anymore, man. We're running out of time. It's here. You know, there, there, there's only three weeks left. Three and a half weeks left. Yeah. So, so I thought it'd be fun today if we actually talked about the things we're most excited to see this year. Uh, we'll, we'll do some more in-depth previews the closer we get to the season. I uh, got some things lined up, but for today, you're you're a recruiting analyst. You you break down a lot of film, Stephen. Uh, great at. If you guys haven't watched his videos already. Uh, they're on mgofish.com. He releases them uh, periodically, uh, reviewing the highlights of, of the recruits. Also does some in-game film for, for the Michigan games themselves. Uh, and then your hype videos, of course. Uh, legendary. So so we're going to talk your favorite recruits of this cycle, who you're most excited to see as true freshmen, uh, who you think might contribute. And then we might switch into the players we're most excited to see potentially break through who might already be on the uh, roster, might have been on the roster before the spring this year. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so first off, Stephen, y- you know, where are we, do you think, as a recruiting program? Um, you know, obviously finished very highly ranked this year uh, among all the team rankings. Harbaugh's fifth year, does he have things rolling? Is this, is this where we expected Harbaugh to be recruiting-wise uh, when he first started Michigan? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think the biggest biggest shift I've seen in recruiting is you see the lower half and maybe like the lower third or even even lower fourth of the recruits. You know, they're generally three stars, usually around, uh, you know, I'm looking at the 2019 class. You got Quintel Kent, George Johnson, Gabe Newberg, Joey Velasquez. And you watch their film and you can still see uh, the value they're going to bring or the ceiling that they could possibly have. So I feel like in years past under, you know, different, different regimes, uh, I, you know, I didn't really agree with the lower ranked guys because every program is going to have those guys you fill your class with, but it's kind of, it varies on what their, uh, kind of what their recruiting profile looks like, what they did the past couple of years. So take Joey Velasquez, for example, he's a guy who is, uh, going to play baseball in college. You know, he yeah. wasn't a, a main football guy, so he didn't attend any camps. Uh, of course, the main recruiting services aren't going to look at him as a football guy. Kind of so, a lot like uh, Ronnie Bell in the in the previous cycle. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, these guys are a lot of guys who don't get looked at as heavily from recruiting services for one uh, one reason or another. And then, you know, they go to a Michigan camp or a coach visits and they see something that, uh, just not a lot of people have looked at in terms like just in in general uh, as a football player. So, um, you know, I don't think I think Ronnie Bell is definitely the exception. You know, you can't build you can't build a class on uh, some some basketball players that are uh, immediate contributors right away. That, just unbelievable. Yeah. That, yeah. that whole story. Right and his there. his film I went crazy with last year over recruit review. I, I only did a couple episodes. And I made sure I did his because he he definitely stood out as someone who's like wow this guy's ranked like i don't even remember what he was ranked he was like a very low three star like out of nowhere really so 
Oh, he, he are you talking about Ronnie Bell? Yeah, 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 Ronnie. Yeah, Bell. he was he wasn't even if he was anything he was a two he was a generic two star. Yeah, I'm pretty well, sure before. I don't even think he had a ranking before yeah. Michigan offered honestly, right. but because uh, he was committed to like Missouri State. But but yeah, I, I guess like the main thing is uh, I don't disagree with any of the people that they're filling their class with like I did in the past. I feel like five years ago, I was like, ooh, like, I don't know. Like, I understand you have to fill your class, you know, with athletes that aren't four or five star. There's just not enough to go around. But I didn't disagree with the talent. You can see the talent. It might take a couple years to get them there, whether it's technique. You know, it, it, they're not playing against the best competition, but they all have something to at least play a role player down the line. If they're not a superstar, you can see a scenario where they could be useful in the future. So I think it's definitely on track. You know, this was the first year that Michigan really uh, kind of took a hold of recruiting. I feel like it was first year they they ended up first in the Big Ten in uh, recruiting rankings, which is good to see. And uh, you know, that's that's great considering that you know we haven't been on top of the Big Ten in terms of results. So to do that, despite uh, you know, being right there, but but not at the top. That's that's definitely a good sign. Well, I'll tell you, if you're ever going to look at the recruiting profiles of all of the players, and you want to ask yourself, this guy is a, is rated a three star. You, you know, obviously it's all a guessing game, ultimately. Yeah. But you know, the the higher ranking they are, the more sure of thing they are. Mm-hmm. With three stars, they're they're not the most well known, and there's no reason for it. But I'd like to see. The three-star products for any class, for any program, come from championship-caliber schools that, sure. that, or areas, you know, or states. And, and looking at things like this, you know, Zach Carpenter is a great example for me personally. Guard out of Archbishop Moeller, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Cincinnati. And, and that place has produced NFL talent after NFL talent after NFL talent. You know, they're a place where Notre Dame and Ohio State got a ton of their recruits for a long period of time. They, they tried to keep Michigan out away as much as they could, and Michigan has worked their way in at Moeller. Um, places like that, and you know, Charles Thomas, who mm-hmm. I think we will talk about a, a little bit later, you know, went to IMG Academy for a while, and he, he was productive there. Uh, and when you, you see these three stars who are at schools like that, typically it means that they probably played behind a Division One starter. True. You know, until their maybe junior season, maybe senior season, where even you know even with the camps, it's hard to work your way up to a four or five star, unless you're able to actually get on the field you know during the fall. Sure. So so when I see three stars from programs like Mueller get offers from Michigan, I think okay, chances are this guy probably played behind a, a true stud himself. Um, yeah. And, and then got his chance, and clearly the Michigan staff thinks he's good enough. So so those are kind of the telltale signs that, that I like to look at when you're looking at the depth. Uh, of, a, of a D1 program. I, I, you know, Bowling Green and the MAC, um, we, we would take you know practically any kid from any of those championship caliber sure. high schools. Well, it, you, you know, yeah. two star, three star, the work ethic. To, if you get a kid who has potential, or even if they don't have the physicals, you know, at the lower level, mm-hmm. it, you just want the leadership ability, if anything. Right. right. So. And then it also, you know, those like successful programs, they're likelihood of having good technique under solid coaching um you know you trust those coaches more to vet for certain players in terms of you know are they going to respond well in a college situation you know there's a big big shift in kind of just how it operates and and how you react to being surrounded by elite talent you know some i think coaches especially at those larger programs know and get a sense of how those players will perform in that. And they'll be more honest than, you know, a program that doesn't produce as much talent. So there's a lot of value, like you said, in coming from a program that has a lot of prestige and a lot of uh, experienced coaches. Uh, I'll tell you what, coming from a school that did not have any success in football, has never had <laughs> success in football in Arbor Huron, which I take that back. They, they, they a few years there, but past decade or so really struggled. I can see how it would be frustrating for high school players from other places to, to feel like they can't get recruited, but that's just the reality of it. You want those kids from those programs that are so well-stocked and, and so well-coached. But you know one thing, Stephen? Mm. You know what's better than getting the three stars from championship-caliber programs? Tell me. 
getting the four and five stars from championship caliber programs. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so we talked about the bottom of the, of the recruiting class a little bit. Michigan, I mean, had a had a great year from my outlook, uh, recruiting kids like Zach Charbonnet from Oaks Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a top program at you know the top level of competition you can face practically in the entire nation. Yep. Uh, you know, Chris Hinn from Norcross. You know, you know, he played top competition. Um, tell me from from the top end of the class, if you're gonna pick one guy who you're most excited to see on the field, it can be Daxton Hill. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. any of them. Who are you most excited to see play this year? Yeah. So I I kind of have two answers here. I would say most excited is is Zach Charbonnet because I feel like the depth chart just uh, lends itself for him making a huge impact right away without Chris Evans there, which is a bummer because I think Chris Evans could have really thrived in a Josh Gaddis yeah. offense. So that's a bummer. But with, with you know him not in the picture, Higdon off to the NFL, uh, you have um, you know a couple guys working through injuries. So re- you really have True Wilson and kind of an empty room. And he's got both the size, the speed, um, you know, the pedigree to really fill in right away. And he's... I think by far going to be the most talked about freshman just because of how much we're going to see him on a down to down basis. He'll be uh, a perfect guy to slot in there as an every down back. And um, yeah, so I, I think he's, he's definitely the most exciting and uh, I think he's going to do really big things. I think most important would be Daxton Hill. I don't expect Daxton Hill to make as many plays because I think he'll be, I don't see him tested as much. You know, I think last year we saw a lot of, you know, a lot of struggles at the end of the year. And I think the safeties just by nature of the defense get a lot of the, uh, I don't know, a lot, a lot of the frustrations of, of Michigan fans on the defense because they're asked to do well, quite, a, do it, quite it, a difficult job. You know, it, the, the safeties are called safeties for a reason. You, you know, you only really see them, you know, if something really bad has happened or, the other team is, you know, trying to throw one up deep, you know, and it's up to the safety to, to snag. Unless, you know, under the Don Brown system, I guess, safety is also blitz quite frequently. Right. Um, totally. Yeah. Jackson Hill definitely has a chance to look the best. You, you know, it reminds me of um, people People want to talk about Jabril Peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, Kalik Hudson is the guy. For whatever reason, he was like a three, four star. He was like a borderline yeah. four star. But when we looked at his tape... He had the most incredible recruiting tape I'd ever seen in my life. He just looked like such yeah. a crazy good athlete along the terms of, of Daxon Hill. And he came in straight away and just performed at a level which I think Daxon Hill maybe best compares to, uh, just in terms of the pure athleticism. Uh, and we'll have to see how Daxon Hill comes out as a ball hawk or, or as a coverage guy. Um, yeah, I, I I'm think... excited to see it. Daxon Hill is ranked, you know, he's number one safety, uh, number one in Oklahoma, 14th nationally. And I think the the best thing about him is he, like Cleek Hudson kind of found himself in the Viper role. He w- was recruited as an athlete, you know, he had that crazy 14-minute film, but it was kind of uh, up for question at what position he would really slot in at. And I don't really think there's a question about Daxon Hill. He is like the truest safety a safety can be. I mean, he tested a a 4.3 flat. Like that's just ridiculous for a safety. So for him to be six foot, six foot and a half, you know, 190 pounds at that speed, it's, it's gotta be the hardest position as a true safety in Michigan's defense. And also the most important to have that closing speed on crossing routes to be able to, you know, he played a lot of cornerback in high school and, Watching this film, no one got separation on him. So to have coverage skills, to have the speed and acceleration to keep up on those, uh, you know, they showed off a bunch of fades, a bunch of slants, uh, and also just the ability to crush guys in the run game. That's such a difficult recruit to find, and yeah, I think true. most important for Don Brown. So I think he won't get as much notoriety as Zach Charbonnet just by nature of an offensive freshman getting a lot of carries. But Daxon Hill, I think, takes Michigan from a Big Ten hopeful to like a national championship potential team because you need that position so badly. And having a lockdown safety like that in 
helps in so many areas, similar to like a Devin Bush, just the impact that he had on the defense. I think Daxon Hill can do that right away. He is, he just looks the part too. One thing that strikes me is so weird. I mean, this is so superficial and really doesn't translate to anything. But when I look at him, I think he's taller than 6'1". I swear, he he just looks taller than me. <laughs> Where Jabril Peppers always looks shorter than whatever height he's ever listed. Oh, yeah. Which he, I don't know how he got listed at six foot yeah, ever, honestly. To, to be a five-star. Um, that's probably like, you have to be six foot if you want to be a five-star safety. Yeah, um, I don't know. Daxon Hill just looks bigger you know, than, than 6'1", 190. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be bigger than 190, I'm sure, within the next three years. Um but he's just such a beast. You know, if we can get any production out of him you know, uh, in the defensive backfield, that's going to go a long ways towards replacing uh, you know, the defensive starters we lost uh, yeah. this year. Yeah. Clearly, the people. Did you, think... see De- Did you see Devin Bush in training camp? Oh, yeah. Steelers? He he bowled over what's-his-face, that Benny other. Snell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kentucky yeah. running back. I just... Yeah. He's just pushing over. Effortless. That That's like... I think if I could have two words to describe both Devin Bush and Daxton Hill, just just watching them uh, in their film, it's just like effortless violence. I don't know. Yeah. It just looks like they're not even trying hard, and they just pull through people. They just it's are like, so like, quick. So so the way they hit, especially Devin Bush, but yeah. you know, if you ever played baseball or even golf, when you have like the perfect swing and it feels mm-hmm. like there's no resistance yeah whenever you swing it's like so effortless and you hit the ball farther than you've ever hit it that's what it looks like when they hit it's just so yeah. clean right just it's so like they clean. just run through the guy it's like yeah. oh there just happened to be a guy there and it like didn't impede their movement at I, all i know jim harbaugh went home that night i saw that saw that on the phone his phone or, or on tv or something and just took a big old sip of his uh, <laughs> big glass of white milk and just smiled <laughs> <laughs> like, that is just the most Jim Harbaugh player of all time was Devin oh. Bush. Okay, so, so so moving on from Daxton Hill and Devin yep. Bush. Uh, I'll never move on from De- – you know, Devin Bush – I'm sorry. Devin Bush and Rashawn <laughs> Gary ending up on the Steelers and the Packers hurts my heart. Just hurts my heart. But also I, now I have to cheer a little bit for the Steelers and a little bit for the Packers. And I don't know yeah. how that's going to work. No, I mean, I, I, I see that. I don't. I never cheer for those teams. Whenever I see them on the field, I don't even watch like the rest of the of the you know team. I just watch those players and see how they do. Yeah. So it's totally you know. I get. I get it. I'd rather be on the team that I like. But, but yeah, I think, I think uh, Devin Bush wins Rookie of the Year without a doubt. And they have Rashawn Gary playing linebacker. It's going to be insane to see. I, I, I'm very curious about how they do that. Is it is uh, it wrong? Is it wrong of me to be tired of Tom Brady in the NFL? Yes, <laughs> it is. I'm so sick of the Patriots winning. Is that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I grew up. I have two Tom Brady autographs in my childhood home back in Michigan. So I'm very, very partial to the Patriots. I grew up loving them because I couldn't love the Lions. Well, you have with, to. I, with, uh, it's it's a it's just a known fact. You're allowed as a Lions fan to have a secondary team. Right? You're, yeah, you're exactly. just allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> I've switched over now, though. I was a Patriots fan through some of my childhood, like followed them. Cause I loved, uh, I loved their colors when I was right. like nine years yeah, old. Like, who doesn't and then, yeah. <laughs> and then I liked, uh, Drew Bledsoe, strangely enough on NFL or Madden 2000. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe. Drew yeah. Bledsoe was, was a dude. He was, he I was know. a dude back then. Yeah. yeah for- and then he got hurt and I was like, Oh, Tom Brady went to Michigan. Okay. And then they won a bunch of Super Bowls. Everyone called me a, uh, you know, I don't know, bandwagon fan. And, but now I'm back. I'm back to being primarily a Lions fan, secondarily a Patriots fan. Yeah, I've got fan. my Lions hat on right now. It's it's. There you yeah, go. I, I I love them. It takes bravery. Yeah. It takes a lot of heart. That, that song, <laughs> "I Love You, but I Hate You," something like that. Yes. That's, how, that's how I feel. Um, okay. Yeah. We'll put the NFL talk to the side for now. Um, yes. Okay. Next recruit, who who you're most excited to see? Who you think could actually? have a a real impact on the field this year uh, yeah out, out of all of them you can name any of them who's mm-hmm. the one that you think is going to be a legitimate uh, impact player this year yeah i think a lot of people are talking about mike saying ristol and i do think you know he has a lot of promise especially because he was an early enrollee so i think there's definitely a lot of potential for him to 
him to contribute right away, but I see a little bit more from, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, because there's so many. We loaded up on slot backs, so it's really hard between George Johnson, Mike St. Ristol, Quintel Kent. We really loaded up on these slot back guys, but I think Giles Jackson has the has the best shot of all of the kind of slot jitterbugs to emerge from that group. And I mainly say that just because of his testing numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I tweeted about it, and he has a 3.85 electronically timed shuttle. Like, Which, no one no one does that. That's that's impossibly fast. Like, that, that doesn't that doesn't register on my mind as like, no. as like real. Yeah, I, I had a tweet about this, and I want you to guess if you take all of the – you might have seen this, so let me know if, if you're cheating here or not. Um, take all of the NFL combine. I'm cheating. Sh- oh, you're cheating. Brian Cook okay. talked about it on the MGO Block podcast. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yesterday. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. So he had the best shuttle numbers. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is just stupid. It's like when Rashawn Gary came into Michigan – with like the best or second or third best, you know, combine numbers as a true freshman. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's insane. It's fun. You know what's fun is like we're at this point where Michigan has built themselves up into a top, legitimate top ten program under Harbaugh, mm-hmm. and now he's switching to a spread offense. Yep. So I, it's funny these feelings of the '08 Richrod era before everything just turned out so crappy mm-hmm. but like like when Richard first came and you're like oh we're getting this really explosive innovative 21st century offense in reality we're getting half of it because he ran like a very dumbed down version of urban meyer's much better spread offense um yep. or, or other people i guess evolved it to be better i should say yeah um but the excitement of getting these small, fast, quick guys and be like, oh, you know, here's Sam McGuffey. He's going to do really awesome things. Right. You know, oh, here's Jeremy Gallon, who actually did end up being a beast. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, these little guys who, who had all the potential in the world um, to dominate in, in space. Yeah. <laughs> in speed and space. Right. Um, so, so, Giles Jackson makes a lot of sense. And, and on the other theme, of getting players from the best high school programs. Um, he's from uh, Antioch. Anti- I really don't even know how to say it. I just know it's one of the premier programs from the state of California, um, Antioch. Antioch. If someone knows how to say it, someone <laughs> please let me know. Um, but but Michigan's got a couple of players from there. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, um, oh... Tight end Eubanks might have been from there. I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he was. And I just know they produce a ton of D1 talent all the time. So if you're looking at a guy under the radar uh, who's super fast, super quick, but maybe isn't as highly ranked, yep. you know, because of his size, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Giles Jackson fits that yeah. mold. Yeah, I mean, completely to a T. There are only five. NFL combine shuttle times since 2006 that are faster than that 385. 14 years worth of NFL combine shuttle times, and he's better than all but four players. It's just ridiculous. So, him being able to do and I, I watched the uh, the Josh Gaddis um, film study going over kind of the RPO, uh, and I recommend it to everyone out there. Uh, it's like about an hour and a half, and just I'm just picturing. Giles Jackson in that slot back on a slant. And with those testing numbers, with that skill set, with that offense, uh, it's definitely, uh, it just fits like a glove. And it's impressive too, because I think, I don't know if he was one of the guys that Michigan was recruiting before Gaddis was on board, but Michigan really loaded up this class with that type of athlete that didn't really have a role until this Mm -hmm. year, or at least not as heavily a role. So it's like Harbaugh knew that, you know, there's a shift coming, and he well, he loaded the the depth chart with that. And you you know one thing also that you'll hear a lot, you know, incoming recruits, players, mm-hmm. all, it'll always be a big talking point for whichever player. Harbaugh likes the Swiss Army knife type players. Oh yeah, he, he likes the players that can play multiple positions, and if they're undersized and underrooted, you know, th- an under you know undersized three star, maybe an undersized four star. 
chances are, you know, they played some slot, they played on defense, they played running back, or or they might have been triple option quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Those are the guys that that have to play multiple positions to to stand out right. you know, on on game film because they don't have the size right away. And Har- Harbaugh definitely loves those guys. Yeah, yeah. And now now he has a role for them, you know, in his offense. Right. Um, and and yeah, just to go with that point, um, a lot of those lower rated guys, like we were talking about, a lot of them are lower rated because you don't know exactly where they project. So take like a, a Jack Stewart guy, Connecticut, um, or even you know some of these offensive linemen more three stars people don't know whether project him as an offensive guard offensive tackle or uh you know a george johnson he's an athlete you don't know whether he's going to be offense or defense same with mike singristal who is recruited as a cornerback so when you can't project someone as well it's harder to give them a higher rating where take a daxton hill he's a safety through and through you can be more confident in your ranking of him if someone you know, isn't quite the size of a tackle, but he has the technique of a tackle. It's harder to rank those guys. So it's easier to uh, kind of fill your class with these lesser rated guys because sure, they may not fit into a traditional role now, but you like the skills that they have. You expect them to grow into a role or you to be able to teach them different techniques that better fit them into one of those roles. So yeah, you're right. Swiss Army Knife now and then figure it out later with the the skills that you you like that they do have. I mean, and that's why like a player like Joey Velasquez Velasquez yep. you know, you know, as a baseball player. I mean, Harbaugh is the guy who who came to, you know, summer camps, you know, with a baseball glove yeah. and a bat and made Don Brown hit ground balls right. for quarterbacks. Right? I mean, you just know when Harbaugh sees that yeah, and he he's talking over there with um. Oh gosh, not Mahoney. Uh, who who's the the head coach, the manager, head coach, Michigan baseball? Um, Eric. Oh, Bakich, Bakich. Yeah. Uh, Mahoney was the old guy. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he has a great relationship with Bakich. And, yeah. And, and they're just saying, hey, who who are the guys that are super athletes that we can recruit together? Because that you know, everyone wins in that situation. Right. You, you get a you get a Jameis Winston or two. Right. Uh, that can that can be studs of both, and that's total total victory. Oh yeah. Um, okay. You, you, so for me, so I don't know if they're for sure going to be the most successful on the field as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. But the there is one player I think in this recruiting class who is going to tip the hand of how successful Michigan is going to be this year. Okay. Um, if if they play well, if they play average as a true freshman in their position, Michigan has a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff. Uh, and that's that's Mozzie Smith. Mm, interesting. Um, defensive tackle, uh, big 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 boy. Yeah. You know, supposedly he came to Michigan at three fifty. Uh, supposedly down to three oh five. He was an early enrollee. Um. Just a massive human being from East Kentwood in Grand Rapids, six foot three, three hundred three, three hundred five, uh, four star, rated by all the sites. Michigan is just so shallow on the defensive line for the first time in forever. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Michigan just had a stupid amount of depth over the past few years, and now you know we've got Dwayne Four, who hopefully should be ready to be a super talent and have a super big year. You know, he looked good in the pass rush last year, but then he got hurt. Um, then you got Diamond Jeter, ho- hopefully who can step up. Then you got Carlo Kemp, who who is, you know, an average, I think, starter. Man, I think he's, I think he's severely underrated. I think he's going to really be, if you had to ask like one player that no one's talking about, that is kind of, and I agree, Mazzy Smith, but I think, uh, you're right. He hasn't really been a standout, but I think he has the skill set to really emerge this year. So, so, and that, and that's fine. I, I can see that sure. as well. Uh, just, just talking about the interior line. Yeah. Those three, those three guys, and then if we're gonna possibly move, you know, Quiddy Pay on the inside at any point, or Aiden Hutchinson. Um, uh, but the thing is, there's just there's not a lot of room for no. error on the defensive line in general, or for you're right. Yep. You know, if if anyone goes down with any injuries at any significant amount of time, Smith is going to have to come in. He's going to have to play well, because no defensive line can can successfully play in this era of football 
without heavy rotation at all yeah. times. You know, it, with the spread, you know, with the speed, with the amount of, of snaps that they play, 300-pound guys just cannot play right. every snap. And if they can, they're, they're, they're not human. Right. Yeah. I mean, Rashawn Gary is just not human. So, so it, it's going to be a, a big thing. He, you know, Mozzie Smith doesn't have to be Willie mm-hmm. Henry this no. year. You know, he doesn't have to be Glasgow. Uh, you know the the super studs, all the all American types we've had in the yeah. past few years. But if he can plug in and play and just be a big body that stops the run, or even gets to the quarterback occasionally and is just successful enough, that is going to set Michigan up to do a lot more things on defense. It's going to allow Don Brown to do a lot more things with the other players at other positions to blitz from different angles to bring other guys up the middle occasionally. You know, if you have to worry about Smith when he comes in, it just opens yeah. everything up. Um, so, so from my perspective, that that is the number one guy as a, as a freshman we're going to have to keep an eye on and just see. He's not going to get the most playing time, I don't think, out of out of any of the true freshmen. Um, but but maybe he he is, you know, the bench role playing key to to how this. Yeah, thing I I, I think Chris uh, Hinton is along the same. Same guidelines. I think, uh, you know, it's it's very probable Chris Hinton is more uh, established early and kind of fills that role. I think as the year goes on, uh, Messi Smith definitely, even if you can get five, ten snaps out of him, that just gives your, you know, the Carlo Kemp, Joan Four enough enough time to really uh, produce because you want those. I see Carlo Kemp. And Tuam Forrest guys who need to like make plays. You know, you you need to play assignment football, uh, but those guys have the ability to be more than just uh, you know a gap filler. You'd expect them to be able to penetrate more. Uh, you know, given their what into their third, fourth years now. So I expect them to have more of an impact. And like you said, if if Smith and Hinton can come in right away and just play your assignment. You know, don't get blown off the ball. If you're getting double teamed, you know, don't crumble. All, all you need to do is allow time for the starters to stay fresh. If you allow that throughout the game, like you said, you're 300 pounds. These guys need rest. You need five, six dependable bodies on the inside to rotate through. And those guys are for sure five and six. And, uh, you know, experience early on will give them confidence, will give them. Well, well, let, let, yeah, go ahead. Let me do. I didn't mean to totally cut you. No, you're good. You know, for how shallow this defensive line potentially could be, for for the lack of depth, playing Army the second game of the season is literally the last thing I want to see. Literally the last thing I want to see because the absolute last thing I want to see is any person on that line, you know, falling to the ground, Mm -hmm. clutching their knee or their lower leg, um, you know, from any you know incidental cut blocks or whatever. Uh, that is something that, gosh, you know, I, we can talk about this later, but just, you know, if we can just get through that game, survive and be healthy, I would be a happy person. Um, yeah, it's a good team too. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, they're great. They're, they're legitimately running on full cylinder here and, and yeah, ho- hopefully cause we're catching them early. They're not going to be as potent as they were last year when they faced, uh, Oklahoma and almost yeah. took them down. I should have took them down. Okay, but the defensive line, that is a super important, you know, just in general for one position group, the defensive line, the position group that could make or break mm-hmm. the Michigan season, which we will definitely get into later in August when we do our, our game-to-game predictions. We'll get you on, we'll get Garrett on, uh, maybe Brandon if we can yep. squeeze him on uh, and go from there. But okay, let's move on now. We've talked about the true freshman. I want to spend the last 15 or so minutes here talking about the players who you are most excited to see have potential breakout seasons um, or if they had successful years last year, carry, continue their seasons into this year. Who are the players you are most excited to watch for the Michigan Wolverines? Uh, returning players. Yeah. Heading into this Yeah, season. I think Tariq Black is a guy, you know, I... I watched him a lot in high school talked with him a lot um just a bummer that is 
feet haven't cooperated with him, but he adds that that third element to where everyone's expecting Collins, DPJ, to really come through, and I think he has the biggest uh, potential to break out, you know, just because we haven't seen him at all. So I think he's number one kind of more obvious choice. I think uh, Mike Dana, or Donna, I'm not exactly sure how the last name, he's the defensive end transfer from Central. So not not technically a recruit, but I think going along with kind of the defensive line uh, depth worries, he adds an established, you know, he's grad transfer, so he's a guy who pro football focus loves. He's a really productive guy. I think he could really have a breakout. And again, someone that like really no one's talking about. Well, I think I think people have taken the grad transfers that Harbaugh's had over the past few years because they have not paid. You know, they just haven't gotten playing time. They've been used. They've basically used the Michigan transfer to get degrees True. in Michigan, which is a great idea, and everyone should do it. And if anything, you know, it gives them experience under Harbaugh. Which, if you want to go into coaching, mm-hmm. is also the thing you should always do. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, I just, I just, I think this is going to be a different case. I totally agree with you, especially this kid's from Central Michigan. He's probably lit fulfilling a lifelong mm-hmm. dream here, you know, unlike some of the other guys. Uh, so I agree. I, I would say he actually might. Yeah, I don't think we've had a Sorry. grad transfer that's really contributed beyond special teams. I think there was that was it a Stanford safety or something, maybe a cornerback yeah. last year or the year before. So, yeah, you're right. We, we really haven't had that kind of impact guy. So whenever we hear, uh, you know, uh, grad transfer, we don't really think too much about it. So I think he's going to catch people off guard. Um, and then let's see on defense. Uh, yeah, I, I'm worried about cornerback a little bit. I think we're going to see what, what we expect from Hill. I... I expect a lot of things from Metellus. I think, again, Metellus is a guy who uh, pro football focus really liked in coverage. And I think uh, a lot of people, at least the year before, not last year, but in 2017, a ton of people were on him hard about um, just his coverage skills. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really easy. Like, it's almost like yeah. because because he came in as a three-star yeah. and because he came in as, as Devin Bush's teammate – he might have even been a two-star. People, people just were expecting him to eventually right. be replaced by a higher-rated dude. He's just yeah. a baller, man. Like, like he's just—he's yeah. a gamer. Uh, you know, uh, I, I totally agree, man. Totally agree. So, so yeah. Continue. And then I think you the know, last guy. So I think Mattel's is going to be huge again. Safeties are so important under Don Brown. Cleek Hudson is obviously expected to be probably a captain uh, of the defense as well. But then I think Josh Ross, um, you know, he had been splitting a lot of time with. Uh, Devin Gill at uh, the linebacker position. I think he can really step up and, you know, it's impossible to replace Devin Bush, but he just, he has as close to the same skill set, except, you know, I'll call him Devin Bush light, you know, like you're, you're not going to get a Devin Bush. He's probably the best linebacker Michigan's had in a long time, but Josh Ross will have the, the skill set as close as you can while still staying in that role. I think he's experienced enough. He's really going to uh, contribute heavily. I expect him to start more than Devin Gill did just because I think he's faster and that speed that we had, uh, that we were spoiled with from Devin Bush, will need that more yeah. than what Devin Gill has to offer. And I still think Devin Gill's a good change of pace. Uh, but I think Josh Ross will will step up huge and uh, help alleviate some of those post Devin Bush woes that <laughs> Michigan fans will be like, be like, how did that guy get around the edge? And it's like, well, not everyone has a Devin Bush anymore. So I think, yeah, I think Ross is a, a very, very good linebacker that uh, we haven't seen enough of yet. Oh, come back, Devin. Uh, so, so before before I say my picks, something. You're talking about, and we're talking about the grad transfers. It got me thinking about Ty Wheatley mm. Jr. Um, and, and just you know how sometimes the the recruits don't yep. pan out the longer they play. Um, on the flip side, though, I think I think there are players that come in you know without a lot of hype, like um, like uh, Josh Metellus and earn their way into playing time, and people wait for them to be replaced, and they just don't yeah. get replaced. For, for me, Ronnie Bell is someone that, for whatever reason, you, you know, I guess he really didn't get a lot of playing time last year, but when he did play, I mean, he looked 
really yeah. good, I thought. You know, him and McCaffrey hooked up for an amazing uh, touchdown play against Nebraska. Yep. Uh, I, I was just watching that game yesterday, rewatching it, and, and it's just like he's a he's a baller. He's, he's a very player. comfortable. He's a guy who just he's very comfortable. He's so quick. He's so fast. You know, I feel like in the Gattis system, people are talking up Saren still, like he's he's for sure passing or passed maybe in spring Ronnie Bell. I just I get the feeling that when Ronnie Bell is going to be on the field, he's going to make yeah. plays, and maybe Saren still is, is a guy who similarly does that. Um, but for me, I've seen Ronnie Bell yeah. do it. And I, I think, you know, with Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, Tariq Black, there's just so much talent. It's going to be hard to contain all of sure. them. And if, if Ronnie Bell is your number four guy on the field, you, you know, your number four route runner, he's going to be quicker than the number four cover yeah. guy on that defense. He's going to be faster. He's someone who I am most excited to see who I think could actually have a legit break. Yeah. Season. What, one thing. Ty Wheatley Jr., I, I just looked him up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played last year at Stony Brook. You know, his intention yeah. was to play at Stony Brook and then potentially transfer back. He did not transfer back. Oh, really? As, as far as I know, he's still at Stony Brook. I don't know if he transferred to any other school, but he's still on Stony Brook's official website. Huh. Do you want to guess how many catches? He, he had eight starts at tight end for Stony Brook last year. Do you want to guess how many catches he had? Oh, this feels like a trick question. All right, eight games. Let's. He played it. He played in eleven games. He had. He played in eleven okay. games. Started eight of them at tight end. How many catches did Ty Wheatley Jr. have? Okay, I hope it's more than this, but I feel like it's going to be less. I'm going to say like thirty-five catches. <laughs> six. Oh, yikes! Ty Wheatley Jr. had six catches for thirty-six yards. Yeah. At Stony Brook. That's a bummer, man. That's a bummer. Look, uh, they 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 must have just had him blocking. Well, yeah, because that was that was the main reason he transferred, right? I think the coaches yeah. the coaches wanted him to uh, shift over to offensive line because he was just outgrowing the position, and uh, he said, "I'm out of here." So, yeah, uh, that, I, that's wild. It does it does just stink. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you never know, right? You never know how someone's well, going to grow or if they'll cooperate or, you know, agree with the coaches on the projection there. You know, it's funny. He played tight end in high school and he had 27 catches in his entire high school career. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. And, and four touchdowns. I, yeah, huh. I know. I'm just like looking back now. It's just so amazing. After, you know, after Derek Green. Yeah. The Derek, the Derek Green stuff. Yep. Derek Green hype. And then, and then the... You know, Ty Wheatley Jr. Now, if if I'm ever gonna have to choose between having a highly rated guy who is NFL sized yeah. or undersized, I'd almost would take. I'd almost prefer the undersized for a five star. Yeah. Compared to the the NFL quote unquote sized guy, uh, you know, it, there are, are always Rashawn Garys who who are different. Sure. But when you're talking about skill positions. I'll take the undersized guy because that just means they're they're just doing something that just separates them on, on a different yeah. level. Yeah, and they could always and grow like, into the position. And sometimes, yeah, 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 I hear you. Oh man, because that is just it's brutal. Yeah, I, I mean, because at, at six, you know, at six six two sixty five, I guarantee you, Ty Wheatley Jr. is going to get NFL looks. Yeah. So no matter what, especially considering his dad, but it's just like, I mean, that's that's just crazy. The crazy thing is, if if you would have accepted the offensive line possibility he could have been next level you know yeah no kidding so what which is also interesting because for the first time i mean in how long michigan's offensive line actually is pretty darn good yeah. you know returning four starters is unbelievable for michigan it feels like how, yeah how long has it been since offensive line has been a comfort to Michigan fans when you bring up the offensive line and Michigan fans are excited and you know like I feel like it's been I can't Gen- remember genuinely I cannot remember I mean, it other than recruiting yeah. hype you know when when Hoke Brady Hoke brought in like Kyle Callis yep. who in that class which did not pan right. out at all like they did not pan out at all Rich Rod did a terrible job you know infamously had one offensive lineman in one of his recruiting classes which might have been terrible yep. one that might have been the tail of one class um I mean like 2003 2004 sure. bef- before Jake Long was even I mean maybe you know Jake Long era 
but but I'd even say before then, maybe when Mork. Yeah. David, David Mork at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I would th- I would say yeah the the era when David Mork was winning Remington awards. Yeah, uh, it's been a long time, man. It's always been a thing that we've pointed to. Like at, whenever someone brings up that Michigan, you know, oh why haven't they been winning? Whatever. Like the the depth chart that was the scariest when Harbaugh took over was offensive line, and it wasn't even close. There was just no depth. He had he had very little to work on. And that's just a, a position where you need bodies, you know, more so than, you know, what other position do you have five guys at any given time that are working like extremely hard. So the, the possibility for injury is so high for your offensive line and you need a, a dependable eight guys at least for a team to feel confident going into that year. And this is finally the year where it feels like you have uh, your your starting five that could potentially have three or four all big 10 level contributors. And then you have a couple guys waiting for their time that you're also excited about. So it's, it's, it's been a long time. It's, it's, it has been, although, you know, it's interesting, I guess I didn't, I guess it really has been a long time, but, but David Mulk was on the sugar bowl winning team in 2011 with with Brady Hoke, which means Richrod recruited him and brought yeah. him in, um, which I get, I totally, I guess, totally, totally forgot about. But still, even then, the offensive line was not amazing by any means. If I remember correctly, I mean, they had him and then Taylor the one. Was Taylor the one a senior during that year? I think so. I think yeah, was. I think so. Either either way, the depth was clearly right. not there because of. I mean, yeah, you'd standouts, but it wasn't like an up and down year where like you could see a Ben Bradison, Mike and when you, uh, you know Caesar Ruiz in the NFL for a decade plus, and I wouldn't disagree with you. Like I, there was all, you know, yeah, there there were always you know the these spots, yeah. Okay, okay. So 2011, they uh, Schofield, David Mook. Yep. Elliot Mueller, uh, Brock Mueller. This is my favorite thing, hearing you struggle with names. That's my favorite thing now. (laughs) You know what's what's brutal is, okay, okay, so so I'm in law school now, so I read everything. I've always consumed everything through reading. So I don't, I don't, you know, I could tell you everything in the world, but I can't actually pronunciate anything, you know, until it actually comes out in in the verbiage here. Uh, yeah, I mean that offense line was actually brutal because there's there's no Taylor the one, uh, Brock Mueller, yeah Elliot Mueller, yeah that's right, yeah, you that's got right it. there. So it was basically David Wolk, Elliot yeah. Mueller, and sophomore Schofield, and then nothing, yeah. not good, not good. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Lloyd Carr era was definitely the last time mm-hmm. we felt confident about any depth on the offensive line. Yeah. It's taken Harbaugh five full years to actually get to the point. Yeah. You know where the depth is there, and, and players are, are redshirt seniors, right. redshirt juniors. Or Caesar Ruiz is a true junior, right. uh, and we had to start him from day one. I mean that that just tells exactly. you everything. Right? I, I had a question for you though. Given the, we talked a lot about like the strengths of the recruiting class and kind of the depth chart. What position do you think isn't set up well for the future? Because I feel like most positions now are set up very well for the future. Like, I think we turned around the offensive line that's really starting to build uh, over the years. And we have a good, good uh, couple of classes where we have a really solid foundation. Um, but what position are you, like, worried about that you yeah. – uh, I'm sure we have the same answer uh-huh. here. But I, I would I would have to say uh, the, the defensive backfield okay. is something that I – Specifically, corner, I yeah. guess, because one thing that really concerns me looking back is we did not have enough top tier cover athletes to stop Ohio State last mm-hmm. year. Right? This team was a win against Ohio State away from, you know, potentially win, you know going to the college. They would have been in the playoff. They beat Ohio State last year. All they had to do, top defense of the nation, et cetera, et cetera. Ohio State was the only team Michigan played last year who had more athletes at the wide receiver position than Michigan, where they could go head-to-head and just 
you know, I mean, dink and dunk them to death and just right. own them as a clinic. Um, and what that tells me is the young guys were not able to step up and do the things they needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, where basically Tom Brown was hiding the lack of coverability on the team last year. Yep. And that really hurts considering, you know, all the talent we had in the defensive backfield last year. Um, you know, David Long was on the team last year. You know, between Long and Hill, um, and you would think Ambry Thomas, uh, th- there's just enough athletes where all you need is one of the young guys. And we brought in, you know, the past few years, we brought in Jamark Woods, you know, Jalen Kelly Powell, mm-hmm. uh, the Green Twin Brothers. Yep. Um and then, oh, who's was it Vincent Gray? Yep, yep, that, that's the other one, the, yeah. None of those guys have really stepped up. It's really a bummer that Kelly Powell hasn't stepped yeah. up. Yeah. You because know, he got a lot of hype. You know, obviously he was teammates with Donovan Peoples-Jones, mm-hmm. uh, part of that core that won, you know, just a ton of games um, over at... Uh, Castec. Uh, yeah, Castec, duh, duh, mm-hmm. Castec. Um Hopefully, you know, he's been apparently switching positions to play more corner, you know, kind of in the mold uh, of the guys that Harbaugh liked at, at Stanford, you know, the big, long Richard Sherman yeah. type guys. But until any of those guys step up and actually show it on the field, corner is going to be very nerve nervy over the next few years. Yeah. I mean, like, extremely nervy. I have no doubt that Harbaugh will recruit the lines well. Yeah, you know, consistently linebackers. It seems like those are the guys that Don Brown really keys in on as being his guys. So not worried there. You know, wide receiver. We're gonna get skill after skill after skill. We we've never struggled with that since Harbaugh's been here. Yep. Uh, running back is weird. It, what, what was your answer? Did, did yeah, it, it, you covered it. Cornerback. I think running back could be another answer. We have Zach Charbonnet, and then it's very open. Um, I think tight end, you could say, is a little thin. All you got is McCune, Eubanks, uh, and then, you know, some young guys in uh, Mustafa Muhammad, Eric All, who's kind of a wide receiver. And then you got Schoenmacher. Uh, so tight end, I think, is thin. But, uh, you know, as the offense shifts, you're going to see that a little bit less. So uh, I'm not as uh, concerned about tight end. That could be an answer that you're a little thin, but I definitely agree with cornerback. Um, well, I, I think I think in our new offensive system, um, tight end is going to be a much different role. Absolutely, you, you know where, where you know, more of the Devin Funches type you know, probably has has a bigger yeah. thing there. Well, but I guess we talked about this before mm-hmm. um, in the last podcast you were on. Harbaugh still, I think he's still going to gravitate towards those, you know, big big guy tendencies oh yeah you you always want to be able to have a jumbo package and that's where it's really important to have some versatile larger men <laughs> larger dudes out there but uh but yeah i think cornerback i'd i'd expect i would have really liked for them to add a daxton hill level uh athlete at that because you know it say daxton Hill's skill set i guess but fitting to a corner he probably would have started opposite Levert Hill. You could say Amory Thomas would be a, a, you know, and he probably is the second starter there. But that's a that's a position where we saw the number three guy last year was uh, Brandon Watson, very good corner, uh, but against elite talent, he got he got you know exposed. And that's where it is. That's yeah. how is how is Don Brown going to adjust? And this this might be more of a Don Brown issue. Yeah. Because I mean, how many teams in college football are going to have the depth? You know, when it comes to game plan against Ohio State and their offense and their athletes, when clearly, you know, half the other teams Ohio State played last year had no problem, right. you know, scheming. Uh, but Don Brown's specific scheme is so aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's never he's never really faced an offense that dominated him the way Ohio State did, right. you know, with the dink and dunk and everything. Um well, guys like Daxon Hill is is the answer, where they're so rare, right? Like a, a nickel safety who can uh, who can run a four three forty on crossing routes, but then also not to be a liability in the run game, like in an, an RPO system, you know that you're going up against. So that's really the answer. But just you're you're playing a game of numbers there. How many five six five seven five eight? speedsters are there that can play mm-hmm. slot back there's a lot i think there's a lot of those guys and a lot of teams are shifting towards those guys how many 
six foot or six one safeties that can keep up with those guys are there that can also play safety not a whole lot not a whole lot yeah so yeah exactly so you need an nfl talent five star to compete against kind of a a position that really thrives on having those short speedsters that i think are uh there are quite a few of um at least more so than than the answer that a defense can have for so there's there's that's the like main positional battle i think there is from a slot back to a a nickel safety so it's going to be interesting for me to see in two to three years yeah how many if any of the lower rated running back wide receiver slot guys end up playing defense a la brett hawkins you know brett hawkins Mm -hmm. was a guy who came in with Amir Mitchell, you know, from New Jersey. Although Brett Hawkins had to do the grad year, then Amir Mitchell transferred. And then right. Brett Hawkins actually came to Michigan, which all the respect in the world to go, you know, to be told you, academically you're not good enough, go grad route and then still end up at Michigan. Right. Um, and then not transfer when you're asked, you know, to move. Uh, he was a four-star wide receiver. Yep. Uh, asked, asked to move to the defense side of the ball and got playing time last year infamously. You know, a couple of blown plays against Notre Dame, but I mean, first time ever playing defense. Right. How many of those skill guys from the offensive side are going to end up potentially playing corner, or, or at least practicing there, if if that does end up being a significant, you know, position of need. Right. Because uh, you know, a lot of corners are you know five eight five nine, the same kind of speed guys that that spread offenses utilize on offense. So it will yep. be interesting to see what happens there. Definitely. Um, okay, Definitely. let's let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. This has been a quick hour, I gotta say. Yeah, it has. I've I've enjoyed it. Um, one last question, and then we'll get out of here. Sure. Clock out. True Wilson, Christian Turner, Charbonnet, and running back, halfback, Ben Mason, because there's no more mm-hmm. fullbacks, according yep. to uh, to Mister Gaddis over there. Mm-hmm. Who do you think will get the most touches out of those guys? Because I, I is it going to be running back by committee? Is it going to be three running backs getting completely split carries and Mason coming in on short downs? I, I'm I'm curious to see because True Wilson, we all love True Wilson. You know, his story yeah. is is so awesome, and he runs a little bit like Mike Hart. You know, just at least in my mind, he does. Uh, just because of his story, and he's small undersized, and kind of just keeps the feet churning, which is mm-hmm. what you know. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the other guys just have so much more, quote unquote, potential. Yeah, I think you're going to see. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I think it's going to start out with True Wilson firmly in the lead. I think he's going to get the lion's share at least to start. And then I think by game three or four, you're going to see Zach Charbonnet take hold of the position. So I think, uh, I think Zach Charbonnet by the end of the year. I just think he's too good to keep off the field. Uh, but I think True Wilson will start uh, at least initially. He probably has a better he probably has a better handle on the uh, on the playbook, better handle overall. Um, but I, I do think over time Charbonnet will take hold of that position and get there. I, I think it's it's definitely wise to keep it running back by committee early on. Um, you know, I see no reason to give Charbonnet all the carries early on or same with True Wilson. I do think Christian Turner has a lot of promise as well as the uh, the freshman Haskins and Van Sumeren. But, but yeah, I would say Charbonnet, but I am a Charbonnet fanboy, so uh, That's right. I could it, I could be biased. It's it's always better to you, know, you always want to dream about the potential of guys you haven't seen play yet. I, yeah. I don't think we'll have an answer until Game Five, uh, when yeah, Game when Michigan plays Iowa at home yeah. on October fifth. I think that's when we'll have our real answer. Until mm-hmm. then, even Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a little early. Uh, still third game of the season. I think by Iowa we'll know. And if not by Iowa, when we go to Penn State, we better darn make sure we know who the main guy, you know, if Charbonnet yeah. has that potential or if Christian Turner has that potential. 
Yeah, and I think something to pay attention to when figuring out that battle, who looks most comfortable in the passing game? You know, which, which guys can go out on routes, which guys can uh, either protect protect in uh, pass protection, and who can go out for a route and looks most comfortable doing that. I think that will give Gaddis the most uh, comfortability. And we, all, we already know True Wilson is an extremely good pass blocker. Yeah, all for right, sure. All right. You know what, Stephen? <laughs> you got a kid. Yeah, you got I a kid I, that's uh, looking for you, man. I hope. I hope the. I hope the podcast picks that up. That's my almost two-year-old. She'll be two next two weeks from now. So she is up from her nap. She is ready to rock and roll. Yeah, she is. And for that, she has enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I'll tell you that much, man. She has it. That was smooth. I was looking for it. That was smooth. That was yeah. good. That's right. That's right. All right. So, Stephen, this is the Emco Fish Podcast. Another edition in the books. You can find us on Twitter. Steven, what's your Twitter handle? At Steven Toski. At Steven Toski. I'm at David Arnold, M-I. Uh, follow Garrett and mgofish.com at mgofish. Uh, until next guy. Oh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Give us a rating. We're up to 20 or 21 ratings by now. Um, you know, Maze and Brew has had their podcast for four years now. They have 40 iTunes uh, reviews. And we, we've already got 21 within a week and a half. So, so if we can pass them, pass Anthony Broom and them, I would like to be able to text Broom and, and give him a little shtick. Ooh, so there you go. Help us at all. That'd be <laughs> awesome. All right. Until next time, I'll talk to you later, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yep, as always, go blue. Go blue.